Lead and empower her with Dr. Julie Ducharme, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Lead and empower her with Dr. Julie Ducharme is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Dr. Julie Ducharme. Hi, I'm Dr. Julie Ducharme, and welcome to the Lead and Empower Her She CEO Talks. This podcast will highlight the strength and femininity of our women CEOs and their unique value they bring to the workplace. I'm really excited today to welcome Dr. Kameen Samuel to our podcast. She started her professional career as a U.S. Navy's first female African-American helicopter pilot. She transitioned to having several small businesses and then to corporate as a web developer at the Computer Electronics Company. And Kameen has moved up quickly working in several organizations, even serving as vice president of online merchandising and vice president of global website operations at a billion-dollar company. And now Kameen is an international business and executive life coach. Kameen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Julie. It's wonderful to be here. Well, you know, we Kameen and I have had a couple conversations here for those of you guys who are listening. You're on my Authentically You podcast um, in the middle of writing some articles for some magazines about a lot of different things that you have done. And it's really fun to come in, come on and talk about this because when we started this idea of this podcast... I thought of you first because I'm like, you've lived all the sides of this. I mean, you've been in the military, you've been on the corporate side, you've been on the entrepreneurship side. And I just thought that this would be perfect to start to talk with you about this. And and obviously, I know about you, but I would love for you to share some of your backstory to our listeners who don't know much about you and how you went from the military to your corporate life to your coaching life. Oh, that's, that's a great, great broad question. So um Let's see. I'll, I'll start with military. Uh, I was in the Navy for nine years as a as a helicopter pilot, as you said, and, and a flight instructor and maintenance pilot. And and for me, uh, it was always about uh, I had always dreamed of having a business. And so I wasn't um, being a pilot wasn't my lifelong dream. Having a business was. And so I left the military after nine years, failed miserably as an entrepreneur, uh, had to, you know, really pull myself back together, uh, reinvent myself, go and went into corporate. One of my passions is computers. And so uh, I learned coding and became a web developer. And um, another passion of mine is sales. And so I ended up in online merchandising. But underneath it all, I what I love doing is helping people. And so I, I like to say I've been coaching since I was about seven years old. And so uh, in 2012, I went full time as a as a business and executive life coach, and have been doing it ever since, and writing books. And uh, so it's for me, it's always about helping people. Well, and I love your transparency about saying that you failed miserably because a lot of times we don't want to admit that, especially as women, because I think, at least for me, I always feel like things are stacked up against us as it is, as we're working our way in. And and I would assume, was the website coding world a bit more male dominated when you were working in that? I've lived pretty much in a very male dominated world, whether it was the military or corporate um, yes, and and uh, and it was great too. At the same time, there were some there were a lot of really wonderful things and some challenges as well. 
Well, when you were moving up into those bigger positions that you talked about, the the vice president positions, did you hit any barriers or any struggles? Um, And how did you deal with those? I think I was really blessed, right? Because I, I come from a very strict family where excellence was like hammered into us. So if regardless of any barriers, I had to really overcome them. So there were, there were barriers like, um, there were, um, recession or, you know, they're not promoting barriers. Uh, there were even not knowing that I was supposed to, when I got to uh, corporate, uh, from the military, I didn't know I was supposed to negotiate my contract. I just said yes to whatever they offered me because I had no idea that you could be paid differently as a woman because in the military, it was, it was based on what you did and, and your, how many years you've been in and what your rank and rate were. So those kinds of things, really, I did not know until I got in and I got in a little lower and I had to spend a few years trying to catch up. Uh, financially and and create create my career, uh, so growing it and and there were some challenges even at the executive level. They don't tell you that when they when the the cliche of it's lonely at the top, they mean it, right? There's there are some things that happen and there's some reasons for that uh, that it is lonely at the top. That that we're not really I wasn't prepared for the you know and growing my career. Mm, that's true. And you mentioned the negotiation part, which I want to talk about for a second, because I think as women in general, culturally, we're not trained to negotiate. And um, as I started learning about this, and I started to study um, what were the statistics for women negotiated. And so I found out that if men negotiated, they typically were not penalized if they were negotiating with another male. If they were negotiating with a female, female penalized men and women if they attempted to negotiate with them. But women were penalized by men as well if they attempted to negotiate. So it, it seems a bit, right, that culturally it, there's a bit of an issue with women negotiating. One, we're not trained. I was never trained. I was told, take what you get. And at the same time, when we are negotiating, we don't really know if we're doing it right or how to do it right now, I learned later in life how to do it. But when you did figure out about negotiating, I mean, how did you navigate that? Because I'm sure we have a lot of women listening here thinking I'm not getting paid what I deserve, but I am terrified to go talk to someone about my contract. I I love what you shared because I think one of the things that we, we want to do for our women is help them understand that it's just a conversation. There's no need to be as, as, nervous or worried as we, as we are. And I, um, I will also say something that is a little on edge here. I, I was really blessed with some amazing white male leaders and mentors who championed me also, who also gave me a peek behind the scenes. I had never heard about growth stuff. And, and I literally was one of my SVPs who was literally throwing a tennis ball against a wall. And he's like, have you, you know, do you know about grossing up when you negotiate? And I'm like, your bonus. And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> he said, well, when you, when you, when you're negotiating and you can get a bonus 
ask for it and then ask for it to be grossed up, which means that the company pays the taxes, not you. So you, if you're given a $10,000 bonus, you get all 10,000 in California. If you get a bonus that's 10,000 and it's not grossed up, you get 5,400. So so I didn't know any of that. Um, So I was really lucky to have that. And so for women, I like, I was always talking to them about, you know, how to either negotiate or ask for more and to practice it. Don't go in cold, practice it right up. I actually, you know, taught in my coaching. uh, Now I work with a lot of women and I have a whole promotion sheet. Like, Mm -hmm. why, why do you think you should be promoted? Who's going to do the job that you have? You know, what, what is going to be the do differently so that they're, prepared. They don't give that to the person, but they, they, they are more prepared when they walk in the room Mm -hmm. so that they can say, this is, this is the difference making I'm in, I'm doing in the company. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important. You know, I young on, when I was much younger, I, I think I started my first real big leadership position when I was, you know, between 25 and 27. And, and to me, that's very young. I didn't have a lot of experience and I didn't really know my worth as well, which I see that a lot in younger women who are amazingly brilliant and talented. And they think that their worth is an experience when a lot of times your worth is so much more than experience. Obviously, it's what you contribute, what you bring your skills. And I don't know if you run into that in your coaching where women, especially I find men are always like, yeah, I'm great. I'm I'm so good at what I do, right? And and I I love their confidence in that. But do you find that women struggle in understanding the worth that they give to their organization? So much so, Julie. It's amazing. And there are so many times when, you know, young women would come to me for a job and they they were so far under market from the men. So say it was a web developer job and the web developer developers at the time was paying $25 an hour. And they'd come to me asking for $14 or $15 an hour. So they weren't doing their homework to know what the job paid, what is the skills and the abilities and the, the value of what um, they're being hired for paid. And I could get them closer, I could get them pretty close, but, but they had already told HR by that time what they wanted. So I'm, you know, a, a big $10 jump was, was kind of, can be challenging sometime when I was working with HR. But it's really important for women to do their homework, to find out what a job pays, to find out, you know, um, their skills. Uh, one thing that I even struggled with coming out of the military, you know, I kind of put the military in a box and I didn't understand what um, my bio was worth, what my whole experience, mm. all of my skills and abilities were worth. And so going back to what you said about, you know, men having that confidence and they're like, you know, yeah, I'm great. Well, w- women have to, we're taught, we are taught to be good little girls and be quiet and don't boast and don't, you know, get any attention. And, mm-hmm. and we have to start to train our women, whether they're entrepreneurs or in corporate to really to, to kind of sit up into themselves and own, um, own their bio, own their education, own their skills mm-hmm. and the things that they've done and to be able to articulate them. The other mm-hmm. class real quickly that, that has this challenge is veterans. They mm-hmm. very rarely are able to articulate and I think it's getting a lot better now, but I know for myself, I wasn't able to articulate 
the vast experience just that the military had. And so again, we're used to just getting paid what's on the scale. We need to negotiate from, from that perspective as well. Yeah. You had on some great points and, and I agree with you. I, at a young age as well, was never really trained um, to do any of that. And there were not many women mentors because I didn't really work, work in o- o- industry with a lot of women. It was males. Now, same as you, I was really lucky. I got along really well with my male counterparts. Um, you know, I have a fantastic relation with my father. I was a tomboy growing up. I love sports. So I, I fit in with the boys naturally. And in fact, I actually joke that I preferred to hang out with the boys because they were so much less drama than the girls were um, growing up. So I was very thankful for some of them really looking out for me. And at the time I would say the older ones kind of treated me as if I were, and I wasn't offended by that because it meant that they really cared about what was happening to me. So I was really thankful for that. And I had a few women mentors um, in the, in the world that were some champions for me that I was really thankful for. Um, But what you're doing now, especially with coaching is so important because like you said, I would get embarrassed if someone would brag about me. I'd, I'd get embarrassed. And and then if someone would say, oh, well, tell them about yourself. I would be embarrassed to tell people about my skills because I, that we're, like you said, we're, we're told to be quiet and be good and, and not brag. And so I really relate to what you're saying because I felt those struggles as well. How do I promote myself, but not brag about myself? How do I tell them that I'm worthy and I deserve a raise without, you know, overstepping bounds. And I think you hit on some excellent points there. And I wanted to, you know, we talked about barriers moving up. And I know for me, when I went into my big leadership position, I had, I had a two-year-old and I just had a baby that was, I, I was on my eight week leave and coming back in. And, um, you know, people would say to me, well, you know, how's your husband feel about you having such a big position? Uh, do you really think you can be a mom and still be a head leader? Or, you know, I, I get all those questions. Oh, well, are you going to be able to breastfeed your child? I mean, you're working. And so I ask this because I very rarely have ever heard anyone go to a male CEO or leader and say like, is your wife okay with this job? So as you were growing into these positions, and I know you were in the military, which which is, you know, very um, independent as well, but did you ever run into those issues of people wondering if you could handle it with a family? Or did you feel as well, can I handle this job having responsibilities of family and life? I think it was for, it was me in the beginning of my career, especially in the military. Can I handle having a, a husband uh, when, you know, either if, if he was military, then I, we would both be, could be deployed separately. Um, I, I think even having children, I, I, there are many reasons I think I did not have children and, and I'm great with it. Uh, I have a lot of nieces and nephews who I love and adore. Uh, and so, you know, growing my career, I do think it was a, it was in the back of my mind in many different ways. My ambition was super high and I wanted to be number one in every squadron and, and, you know, and number one in any, you know, corporate entity as well. And so I, I got married a little bit later in life. Um, 
I'm just shy of my till a little bit of my my age, 48. Um, and my and at the time, you know, I was really I was a vice president already. And something in me shifted after I got married. Um, my ambition changed after I got married. And I think that was just because it, it was later in my life. And it was something that I, I could control <laughs> um, at that point. Um, but I, I also had a lot of women who reported to me and, and were uh, on my teams who really struggled with that. And I remember one young woman who's extraordinary human and she, you know, wanted me to, you know, wanted to go to lunch with me. And, and she was so hesitant and she's like, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, great. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and I guess they, you know, she had heard from other people that I might be really hard on her about it. I'm like, yeah, I mean, as a as a leader, the only thing I'm thinking is, is you know, what about me? <laughs> What's what, how does that how does that affect my work? But I'm super happy for you having a baby. I that's the greatest thing, and I think that's that's the challenge that I think in corporate leaders don't know how to deal with pregnancy, marriage, those kinds of things. Um, and I think that. I had another young woman who was out on baby leave and she was so afraid that she was not going to get um, promoted. Hmm. And it was, you know, it was, this goes to, you know, things that I tell, especially now as a coach, helping young, helping women to grow their careers is, you know, have a lot of communication with your leaders, tell them that you, you, you know, are having a baby and, you are committed to your career mm -hmm. so that you can still take on work, but, but articulate it so that they can help you. Yeah. I, and, and I remember that I had my children later in life because I was as just as well, um, really worried about my career and I wanted to make sure I could do it. And then when I did have them, it was absolutely, even though I have an amazing husband who's very supportive, it was still a struggle because guilt, right? People guilt you really bad. Wow. How can you be a mother when someone else is raising your child? You know, I mean, and people say these things and it's shocking to me. And I remember, so just to, to what you're talking about the pregnancy. So um, I had this one woman who was a real champion for me. She, she was head of another department. I was working as a head for one department. She really, a, a position opened up, a higher position. She wanted me to go for it. And I'm like, listen, I'm about to have a kid and I'm going to be out for eight weeks. Like, I can't apply for this. No one's going to want me. You know, I'm just going to keep the position I have because I'm locked in. Well, she went to the person who was hiring and was fighting for me to take that position. And the other woman you know, same thing, you know, she had a family and kids and she said, yeah, but how can she do that? She's about to have a kid. And she was like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, Julie's does all this stuff. And she goes, yeah, but she's going to be out for eight weeks. And she's like, so, you know, and it was really interesting to hear that conversation because all of my thoughts, I was having those same thoughts. And this other boss, even though she was like, well, yeah, she's the best person for the position and we really need her and she'd be dynamic. I don't know if I want to hire her because she's having another kid and I just don't know if she can be focused. Right. And so it was kind of a really interesting conversation of one woman to another, which I'm guessing part of her know, knew that because she had kids and she understood that. But the other woman was like, you got to give her a chance. You got to let her step into this position. So it's interesting because we have this mentality and that was probably 
I'm thinking about 10 years ago when that was, right? And so now we do have women CEOs who are bringing their babies to work, they're breastfeeding at work, they have breastfeeding locations. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're definitely changing it. Um, and I worked for a, a woman who ha- she ended up having her fourth kid. It was a surprise baby when she was in her late 40s. And she would bring her kid in a pack and play and put him in there while she worked in the office and ran the company. And um, I, I think it's changing, but it's interesting how even us women are kind of hard on other women, right? Where I'm I'm trying to change my mentality because I'm guilty of that. I'm absolutely guilty of thinking the same thing about that. And I'm glad that you shared that because I think that is probably, I don't, I don't have a stat on it, but I would say probably one of the top fears of women who are trying to excel in their careers is what happens if I have kids in a family, yeah. you know? So, um, well, a couple of the things I want to talk about is obviously I'm sure, you know, you've had your good and bad moments as you were in the military, as you were moving up in corporate, and even as you were transitioning in. But I know we have some women out there who are probably on that line. Do I go for this leadership position? And if I do, you know, what tips can you give me? Because when I was in leadership, I grabbed a book that said 101 things women do wrong in corporate. That was the worst book I could ever read because it basically told me to behave like a man and not be a woman. So if we can flip that and you could tell our women maybe some tips of what they need to do to move into that leadership position that maybe you learned through trial and error, um, that would be great to hear. Oh, those are, uh, there's so many. I think a couple of tips right off the the, the top, I think, Julie, are um to pay attention to your intuition, right? Um, women have intuition. I mean, everybody does. Men might call it gut instinct, but we have intuition. And and the reason that comes to mind, you know, as I was saying about the, the pregnancy was there was a young woman who um, had been out on maternity leave and I was, we were in the process of moving location. So everybody was getting promoted. And one morning uh, it dropped in, you know, in my, consciousness to, you know, get her paperwork ready. And so I went into the office and told her manager, get her paperwork to me by, by two o'clock this afternoon. And he's like, I can't, I've got all this stuff. I'm like, I don't care. Just, just do it. Just get me her paperwork. And so he got it to me by, you know, that afternoon I fixed it up and sent it off to my boss. And the next morning at like 7 AM, we got the most scathing email from this woman. And she's like, I can't believe I haven't been considered for promotion. Da, 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 da. And she just, you know, whatever. I just because I've been on maternity leave. And I just responded at 5.07 yesterday p.m. <laughs> uh, your paperwork went in. You should be promoted by the time you return. We're so excited. Congratulations on your baby. We look forward to seeing you. <laughs> if, if I had listened to the manager and, and not done that, I would have been behind the, the ball there. Right. And so um, we have this intuition. And as you were just talking about where, you know, do I go for a promotion or not? Why not? Uh, Why not try it? Um, I think we've all heard the the uh, statistic. You know, a a man will go for a promotion when he's like 60 percent qualified and a woman will woman will wait to (laughs) 95 or higher percent qualified. Yep. Yeah. And so I think one of the things we have to work on, this is so much of the work that I do as a coach is about, can we believe enough 
Can we believe in mm. ourselves enough to, to try um, mm. to at least um, look at how, you know, even print out the job description and see, yes, yes, I have all of these things. And then kind of what I was sharing earlier is like, how could I do it? And mm. then work on belief. A lot of yeah. my clients know, I, I tell them to write, I am enough on their mirrors in, mm. in lipstick or whiteboard marker, those those come off um, <laughs> a mirror. Um, but to have that and ha I have it on my phone at 11 a.m. every day, it says I am enough. Because hmm. we don't realize that men actually talk to themselves that way. Mm -hmm. We think that they're just naturally, you know, boastful. Well, actually, many of them have had have learned the habit of championing them, championing themselves. And mm -hmm. so we have to do it as well. So the ability for us to go to our mentors and our and our bosses and and even if you're an entrepreneur, be able to to use that same language like I am enough. I am good at what I do. I love doing it and practice it um, mm -hmm. will help you know, every one of us move into a new le level of leadership. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, it's interesting because I think, have, you know, just as we tell ourselves are enough, haven't we also totally talked ourselves out of something before? Like, no, no, I'm not. No, I don't have enough of this or that. Um, I know I was really good at that for a long time. Like, no, I don't fit that position or that. Um, but then I got into that, like you said, like, what, what do I have to lose? You know, they, I, I, remember someone was like, Oh, we really need someone to teach this class. No one wants to do it. And I remember thinking, you know, I should just step up because if I step up, then maybe the next time around, they'll give me something better. And so I said, do you have a book? And they're like, yep. I said, okay, I'll teach it. <laughs> and everyone kind of looked at me and I was like, if you got a book, I'm sure I can learn it. I've learned everything else along the way. And I agree with you. I, and as women, I think too, we have to help each other champion each other. I mean, a lot of times I'll just see make a bad look on her face or just not looking like they're having a great day. And I won't even know them, but I'll just go up and say, you know, you look really beautiful today. Or I love that jacket or that pen looks so great on you. And you see them change their attitude, just change. And unfortunately, when you're a big CEO, that doesn't always happen. And actually when you're an entrepreneur, we deal with the loneliness vibe of, you know, no water cooler to go to, no offices, you know, and that's a huge transition too. Uh, I remember that going from like being in an office and at least having people talk to you to like being at home, eating lunch by myself going, I kind of like this. I kind of don't. Right. <laughs> so, well, I have one more question to ask you before our time's up. What, if you could go back and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give your younger self? That's such a great question. I think, I think it goes back to what we were talking about. You know, I said earlier about, you know, we were encouraged as kids and it was demanded that we would be excellent. But that also that didn't handle what was happening in my mind because it was, you know, I, I really would be hard on myself. And I've written one of my books is the Successful Life Transformation Journal, which is really about, um, you know, how can we notice our successes more? So for me, getting into personal and professional development sooner, I think would have been um, something that would have been helpful for me to realize, you know, um, I do a lot of study of neuros, uh, neuroscience and there's a 
term called neuroplasticity, that our brains are neuroplastic, that they can actually change, that we can create new neural pathways just by what we think and what we believe about ourselves and telling ourselves new messages. Um, in the book Positivity um, by Barbara Fredrickson, it's like, it takes five positive statements to overcome one negative mm-hmm. and to, to start to flourish. And so the ability for us to be kinder to ourselves, I think for me, learning that sooner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, one of the things I work with coaches on all the time, especially what you were just saying, when you're working by yourself, who are you listening to? Right. Because the uh, the mind is a negative, it has negativity bias. It's designed to go negative. And we have to overcome that with positivity and believing in ourselves and getting coaches and mentors that can help champion that who who yeah. see more for us than we see for ourselves. Because I always say to my clients, I, I, you know, I have no limiting belief about what you can create. So so go for it. And, and let's, let's talk about how, and it might be a timing thing, but you can have whatever it is that you, you want to create. We can find a way. So that, that inner belief, developing that inner belief would probably be the thing that, that would, um, I would tell my younger self sooner. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, and we got to talk about how we can do this for youth. I mean, that's a whole nother thing, yeah. but everything you're doing, I just want to push this towards our young women because I think that they absolutely need it. Yeah, our 14, 15, 16 year olds, like they're just, yeah, I have a 14 year old daughter and, and absolutely like this is exactly what they need. Well, before we go, I know you have a new book that came out and I want to make sure that everyone knows how to find you, how to find your book. So you want to give us those websites and the best places they can go? Absolutely. The, the new book is called Wealth Creation for Coaches. It's here Ooh. and I love it. And, um, and I can say that because I spent a year and a half with it. Um, <laughs> and if you go to Wealth Creation wealthcreationforcoaches.com. It'll take you to my website, to the book. You can learn more about me. Um, my The regular website is kameensamuel.com and you can go there, but the Wealth Creation for Coaches will also take you there. Awesome. And we'll make sure that we get those links as well listed. And thank you so much for being on the podcast again. And I know we're going to see a lot of amazing stuff coming from you because you're just putting out such awesome stuff. I'm going to try and read that book soon as well, too, because I'm not a coach, but I still like to learn about wealth creation. (laughs) And it really works for everyone because it's really about this ability for us to stair step into what it is we'd like to create in our lives. That is, we're going to have to have a whole nother conversation on your book. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me today, Julie. Yeah, Thank you for being on the show. And as I always say, live, love, laugh, and always be your authentic. Thanks for listening to Lead and Empower Her with your host, Dr. Julie Ducharme. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.